So it's go so good to see everybody this morning. You know, we're in a we're in a series called Be Wise, and it's been a good journey, amen. And I love the way we did this because this song really sets it up very nicely. That if we'll if we'll understand that Christ is the shepherd, He is the one leading, He's the one guiding, He's the one calling the shots, amen. If we think we're calling the shots, we're fooled. He's the one in control. It's his world. He created it, Tony. How many of you believe that? I was just reading this morning. It's such an exciting thing. It's so neat how God does. In Psalm 33, it says, With just the words of his mouth, everything that you see was created. Isn't that powerful? That's the God you serve this morning. That's the God who's guiding you through life. That's good preaching, Pastor. You ready to go home? You understand, folks, the God you serve, the one who spoke the world into existence, is the one, same God who wants to give you wisdom for the journey. So we're in this series. We're, we're going to conclude this today, this series called Be Wise. And we've been just basically asking ourselves some questions. We asked ourselves the first week, what is wisdom? And we defined it very simply that we take the knowledge that God gives us and we apply it well. We behave wisely. And then we, we said, you know what, it's, it's important for us to understand the why, always the why. Why wisdom? Because we want to walk before God in a way that, that at the end of our days we look back and say, you know what, my life had purpose. My life had meaning. It was successful. Not in the eyes of the world, but in God's eyes it was successful. Amen? And so we also said, you know, if, if it's a, what is wisdom and why wisdom, then who's the source? And we declared emphatically, Jesus Christ. In Christ are hidden all, say all, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. That means if you're in a growing, thriving relationship with God, with Christ, the outcome will be wisdom. Amen. And so you and I, it behooves us to, to get in fellowship and in step with Christ. Let him lead the way and wisdom will be the outcome. Amen. And then we said, well, how do you obtain it? Well, it's real simple. It's the same thing that Solomon did. He said, look, Lord, I've got some things that you've called me to do. I've got a purpose to fulfill, and I need wisdom. Go and read it. And the Bible says that God granted the wisdom to Solomon. Why? Simply because he asked. Isn't that and that's what the Bible says. We, we, just, we just sang about it. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights, including wisdom. He's a good God. Can you say that this morning? He's a good God. He's a generous God. John 3.16 gives us a clear picture. For God so loved the world that what did he do? He gave. So you and I, it behooves us to ask for wisdom because our generous God is willing to give it. We talked about the fear of the Lord. How that the fear of the Lord is not so much about dread and terror and you're, you're afraid of God and you want to run and hide from God. No, it's actually the opposite. You want to run to Him. Why? Because He's the ideal Father. He loves us. He protects us. He disciplines us. He provides for us. And because of that, there's this awe and wonder of him that drives us to a relationship with him. And so the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom.
It's where it starts. Why is that? Because a relationship with God is the source of wisdom. Last week we talked about how that those that are wise are generous. They, they understand that everything that God has given them is for the purpose of building the kingdom of God, and they hold everything that God's given them with a loose hand. As a matter of fact, it's a generous thing. That, it's a giving thing that we do. We don't just give of our money, right? We give of our time, our talents, and our treasures. So we dove into that last week. The, the wise are generous. They love to give. Why is that? Again, because we are, we are portraying the character of God. And when we're walking in fellowship with God, in a relationship with Him, generosity is an outcome because we're being like Him. Amen? So today I want to finish this up, talking to you about being a, a lifelong... Hey, Siri, how you doing? Sorry, guys. Siri's trying to talk to me on my iPad. Don't you love technology? When it works right. So I want to talk to you about, as we, as we complete this series, the lifelong learner. Now some of you, when you, you heard that word learner, you, you, got, you, started getting, you started sweating a little bit because you didn't, do, you didn't do so great in school, and you're like, man, I thought I, was, I thought I was done with that. You know what? Learning never stops, folks. If you stop learning, you've stopped growing. And if you stop growing, you've gone the opposite direction. You're going backwards. So I want to talk to you about this idea that those that are wise continue to learn. All right? This is a very practical message today. Proverbs 4, 7. Here's what it says. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get it. We've already talked about how to get it, right? Get wisdom, though it costs all you have. Get understanding. In other words, put wisdom on the top of the list. But here's the, here's the reality of that. If I'll just pursue Christ, wisdom becomes the outcome. And so why don't we just focus our attention on him, amen? Though it costs everything, make that a, an a, important goal for you to obtain wisdom. So here's some things. Learners are listeners. The wise are listeners. And learning leads to leads to a lifestyle of growing. Okay? James 1.19, here's what it says. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Why did James put listening before all the others? There's a reason why it's before all the, uh, the other two. That's why you have two ears and one mouth. Because you should be listening twice as much as you're talking. The problem becomes sometimes we get that backwards. We talk twice as much as we listen, and it gets us into trouble, doesn't it? Anybody ever been there? Look at these hands going up. I've been there. I've just been blabbing my mouth and, blah, 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 and not learning anything because I wasn't willing to stop and listen. But I'm here to declare to you today, those who are wise learn how to listen. And you can learn a lot by doing it. So when we talk about this idea of learning and growing, being a lifelong learner, and we start with the idea of listening, we understand that those who listen are really teachable. Teachability is one of our core values here. 
at Grow Church. We believe so wholeheartedly in teachability. And I was looking it, it up in the dictionary, and I, I saw this. It really caught my eye. It says, a person who's teachable is apt and willing to learn. So there's a direct correlation between teachability and learning. You can't do it. You can't learn unless you're teachable. Because it all has to do, all has to do with not just our, the things we can do or our mental capacity. As John Maxwell said, he said it's about our attitude. In other words, how do I view learning? Do I, make it a, do I place a primary value on growing and learning? If I do, I'll be teachable. Here's, another, here's how he put it, another way he put it. He said, it is the desire to listen, hear what's first, to learn, and apply. So it takes it a step further. It's not good enough just to listen and gather information. You've got to do something with that information. Amen? It's, it's funny because I was reading this morning in my devotion time in 1 Corinthians chapter 8, and it talked about that the, the fact that knowledge puffs up. So if all I'm doing is being a person who just takes in knowledge and takes in knowledge, guess what's going to eventually happen? I'm going to get prideful. That's really what the word puffed up means. It, it's, it's basically ego. It swells my ego. Why? Because I'm not doing anything with it. But if I'll take the knowledge and I'll apply it and behave wisely, guess what? I'm walking wise. And so it, it behooves us to understand that it's not just about taking in knowledge, reading books or praying or anything like that. It's actually taking it one step further and saying, let me do something with it. That's wisdom. And so teachability is all about learning, unlearning, and relearning. There are some things that you've learned throughout your life that you need to unlearn. There's some things that I grew up believing that I had to unlearn. Some bad theology, folks. And so if I have the awareness that maybe, maybe, that, maybe that's not really biblical. Maybe that's not really a healthy way to believe. I've got to unlearn that. But once I unlearn that, I've got to replace it with the right belief. That's the, that's the listening, that's the learning, and the application. And so you and I, we have to be on this course of constantly, what, what am I learning, what am I unlearning, and what am I relearning? That is the attitude of a person who's teachable. The Scripture tells us very plainly what we need to do. Isaiah chapter 48, verse 17, look at this. Here's God's heart for you to learn, right? Look at this. This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, what does He say? I'm the Lord your God who what? Say it out loud. Who teaches you what is good for you and leads you along the path you should follow. I want to know you. I want to follow. Lord, be the shepherd of my soul. That needs to be the prayer of our heart, to let him lead the way. But if you're not teachable, it won't happen. So you understand, he wants to teach you. He wants you growing, or he wouldn't have given you his word. Amen. 
He wants to give you revelation. He wants you to constantly get to know him. And it's not about, again, it's not about knowing all the verses in the Bible. It's not about being able to quote Genesis to Revelation. That does you no good. If you don't have the relationship, if you're not following him with a teachable heart, it's doing you no good. So let the Lord lead the way. Here's what Proverbs chapter 10, this is full of wisdom. How many of the Proverbs are full of wisdom? The wise are what? Say it loud. Glad to be instructed. In other words, you ain't got to twist my arm. Teach me. Amen? The wise are glad to be instructed, but the babbling fools fall flat on their faces. So you see the contrast here? The person who's glad to be instructed? Let me just not say anything. Let me just learn a little bit. In contrast, the person who's... You know anybody like that? You know, it's like, I think, what is it? The average person speaks, what, 30-something thousand words a day? And wimp, no, no, I'm not going to say that. Get myself in trouble. Women, you don't speak more than men, do you? Never. Because y'all have learned to listen. Amen. Amen. Y'all, can y'all tell my wife that? I'm kidding. I'm, I'm, totally, I'm probably getting myself in trouble. Right? She's probably listening back there. I'm going to be in trouble. But folks, you understand, the idea is, if I'll just shut up sometimes, can I, I'm sorry to say that. It, hush sometimes and just listen. Maybe I'll learn something. That's good preaching, Pastor. The opposite is, if I continue to talk all the time, I'm not going to learn very much, and all of a sudden, my life goes nowhere. All right? So the scriptures are very plain about listening and learning. So here's, um, if you're taking notes, the listening heart is a humble heart. Remember I said something about attitude? There's a direct correlation between humility and teachability. Teachability is one of our behavior values, so is humility. And it should be, folks. Because when you think about the example of Jesus, and you look at Philippians chapter 2, the God of heaven, folks, the God of heaven, the one who's receiving worship in heaven, stepped out of eternity into time, clothed himself in flesh, and walked the earth as you and I did. And not only did he do that, he did it so he could identify with your problems so he could lead you well, right? And then he does a step further, talking about application, right? What does he do? He goes to the cross. The greatest act of humility ever done. Why does he do that? Because, folks, he understands that leadership's all about influence, and he's leading the way. Amen. And so when you want to look at humility, when you want a good definition of humility, just look right at Jesus. So if we're walking in humility, we have the right attitude, and we understand that we're fallible. Here's what John Piper said, the theologian. He said, humility knows its fallibility. It knows it's fallible and so considers criticism and learns from it. The problem comes is when we have the attitude that we've got it all together, 
that you can't teach me anything. We call that a, anybody know what the name for that is? A know-it-all. Anybody ever been around a know-it-all before? There are people that you come in contact with, if you've done it, they've done it 10 times better or 10 times more. I'm like, how in the world have you had all of these experiences all at once? You know, scuba diving and skydiving and, you know, you're, you're, a, you're a clock maker and, a, you know, you, you're a carpenter. I'm like, how in the world? How do you have this much time to learn all these things? But I guarantee you go up to them and you say, you know, I was, I was riding my motorcycle. Yeah, man, I ride motorcycles all the time and got a Harley in my, in my garage. I'm like, really? Folks, let's be teachable, okay? Let's be humble. So when, we, when we're fostering this idea of, of growing and teachability, we have to be open to what we call feedback. We're creating here. We're trying to create a culture of feedback here at Grow Church. Why? Why would we do, why would we do that? Why would we be, in, we'd be intentional about feedback? We want to grow. Thus, the name of our church. First Peter 3.18 declares that we take this to heart. Grow in the grace. Would you see the word grow? Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the aim. I want to grow in grace and knowledge. I want to know Him. Amen? We sang it. I want to know you. Two barriers. The teachability. Number one, pride. Can any, anybody identify? Pride. Thinking that you have it all together, thinking that you know it all is really pride. The other barrier is insecurity. Not understanding who you are and whose you are. Right? The problem comes is insecurity, the issue is with pride and insecurity, both of them focus on one thing. Me. Both. So what's the remedy? Turn your eyes upon Jesus look full in his wonderful face that's the remedy get your eyes off of you and on to him and the thing you guys know the song of earth will grow strange lead him in the light of his glory and grace Get your eyes off yourself. If you want to grow, if you want to be teachable, get your eyes off yourself. And so what happens is you'll notice. You'll notice if you'll make, if you'll make him your pursuit, if you'll pursue Christ, the insecurity, the pride kind of just, ooh, just takes care of itself. You know, well, I'm, you know I'm growing in Christ. You know, he's my source. You know, he, he's the one that created me in his image. I'm his. I belong to him. Amen. I can stand with my chest held high knowing that he is my Savior. That's the remedy for pride and insecurity, folks. Just walk in him. Pursue him. Thank you.
Proverbs 11.2. Pride leads to what? Disgrace. But you see here, here's the connection. But with humility comes what? Wisdom. There's a connection. Why am I growing in wisdom? Because I'm humble. Because humility says, teach me something. Teach me something. Let me grow. I want to grow. It's a constant pursuit of knowing Christ. Number two, the listening heart has a desire to grow. Proverbs 27, 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. If you're really pursuing growth, sometimes that growth won't be fun. Amen. If you think of anybody ever sharpened a, um, uh, an axe or a knife or anything like that, and you've seen the, the wheel, the grinder's wheel, what do they do? You just rub that thing across that, that wheel and it's grinding. What's happening there? Between the, the metal and the wheel, there's friction. Sometimes growth isn't comfortable. But it's that, it's that tension and that friction that where the growth happens, where the sharpening happens, you have to have it. You can't do it any other way, folks. There's no way around it. There's no easy way to it. You've got to go through it, amen? And the cool thing is, is God is giving you and surrounding you with people who maybe, they may be, they may be pushing on you a little bit. There may be some friction on you a little bit. It's good for you. Amen. And God sends people your way. You're like, man, I wish that person was not. Oh, no, the friction, it's good. Why? Because it's sharpening you to be all God's called you to be. I see people smiling. And don't look at you if you... If your wife or husband is sitting by, you don't look at them and say, you're my friction. You're the one causing me to grow. Yeah, look, that's what happens, right? That's why God puts families together, right? Lori and I are, are, are really totally different personalities. You guys that know me and her, you know we're different. Did somebody say thank goodness? My goodness. It's a good thing, right? As a matter of fact, yesterday, and Amber can attest to this, we're on our way home from seeing Garrett. My son turned 21 yesterday, guys. Wow, I can't believe it. Garrett's 21. So anyway, we're on the way home, and I said something. Woo! <laughs> a little friction. Talking about house cleaning, and so we had our little thing there, but but I grew from it. Trust me, I'm growing from those things. But you understand, it can't happen. It's, growth is not automatic. There has to be the tension. There has to be the friction, or you won't grow. And God did it that way on purpose. The listening heart will embrace correction. This is the most challenging part for us, I believe. How many of you like to get corrected? Yeah, pastor, do it. All. You know, listen. How about you and I sit down and let me correct you a little bit? Okay. 
No, you don't like it. I don't like it. But it's necessary, folks. And the Bible says it. Proverbs 12.1, to learn, you must love discipline. Don't you love the way the Bible says stuff sometimes? It is stupid to hate correction. In other words, you're not that smart if you push back on it. What's the reason why we push back on correction? It goes back to what we just talked about a few minutes ago. Those two words, pride and insecurity. Because a lot of us, we are tied to what we do. I'm, I you know, identify myself with the job I do or my behavior, and that, that's dangerous. If we really know who we are and whose we are, it doesn't matter what happens or what people say about us. And so when I receive correction, when I have the, humi the hum humility to receive correction, I can learn and grow, and I don't take it as rejection. But that's the problem. Many of us, when somebody, even in lovingly, well, you don't like me very much. Folks, the opposite is true. The person who really loves you will correct you. Why? Because they don't want you going down wrong paths. They don't want you making stupid decisions. And so they're going to love you enough to speak up. And so our attitude toward that needs to be with humility. You know what? Thank you. It doesn't feel good. I'm not saying it feels good, folks. But we acknowledge it. It's for my own good. But I really believe the enemy's one of his strategies is to blind us to that to the value of that. You know, we read John 10:10 10, 10 around here a lot, and his one of his strategies is to keep you from growing, to keeping keep you from experiencing what full life in Christ looks like. And so what's he going to do? He's going to put people in, you know, God's going to put people in your life and then Satan's going to try to blind you to where, oh, oh, you, you must not like me and so I'm not going to listen to your correction. And so we do. We don't learn. We, we stay stuck. Right. And so what happens is we fall into a scheme of the enemy. Rather than being free and being fully alive because we listen to instruction. And we listen to correction. Now, I'm, I understand there are some people in your, in your surroundings that maybe they don't have your best interest in mind. And maybe their motive is to do harm to you and to hurt you. But even in that, there's an element of truth. And if you're able to decipher and filter out their, their attitude, their heart toward you, there's an element of something. You know what? Maybe they're right about that, and I can take that and learn from that. Criticism hurts. I get it. But you can grow from it. Amen. Craig Rochelle said it like this. Don't just sit around and wait for somebody to, to give you feedback. Go and, go and ask. Crave it. Go after it. Chase after the feedback. Trace after that. Why? Because when you do, you will grow. Amen. Am I willing to embrace the pain of correction to see growth? It's a good question to ask, right? Proverbs 13. People who despise advice are asking for trouble. Those who respect a command will what? Succeed. Look at this. The instruction of the wise 
is like a life giving fountain those who accept it avoid avoid the snares of death think about that for a second anybody ever ever been walking or or, or maybe walking in the woods or hiking in the woods and you're sweating and and all of a sudden you come across this this bubbling stream a spring that comes from deep earth and you experience the coolness of refreshing of that anybody ever done that that's what happens when you surround yourself with wise people and they give correction and they pour into your life it's like a life-giving stream it brings things to life anybody want to live not just live I mean live fully live right then allow yourself that privilege and that honor of being surrounded by people who will pour into you and it'll be like a, a well of fresh water springing up as opposed to that is the one that anybody ever been in, after it rains in the heat of the summer and there's a puddle right outside and gets hot and all stagnant you know why there's not the steady stream when you are open to feedback and correction it's like a stagnant pool we're all kind of yucky, mucky. Blech. Amen? Which do you prefer? I'll take the living stream all day long, won't you? We're talking about the lifelong learner, a person who's teachable. So I'm going to give you four, four traits of a learner. Number one, as we're closing this, learners initiate and take the first step. In other words, you're proactive. Get into a group. Get into a grow group. Why? Because that's an opportunity for you to surround yourself with wise people. And from that wisdom, you can grow. But here's the thing you need to do. When you get in this group, ask good questions. And then what do you do? You listen. Why? Because those who are willing to learn are going to take the first step put yourself in an environment and a position that you can grow it's like plants if I take and plant a plant out here I put the right conditions the right soil the right amount of fertilizer the right amount of water the right amount of sunlight what happens I don't have to say you grow what do I do I just make the conditions right and boop, all by itself growth fruit get the conditions right folks and the growth become a byproduct number two learners implement you don't just learn you don't just listen to what's being said you take it a next step and you impl you implement what you're learning you put it into practice. Here's how James described it. Don't just listen to God's Word. It's good to hear God's Word, amen? But it does you no good unless you do what it says or put it into practice or implement, whatever word you want to describe. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. So take in God's Word and then apply it. Take this message today. 
Go back through the scriptures we read and apply this message. What happens when you do? You grow. You're implementing what God's teaching you. Amen. A couple of examples of that. Growth track. We, have op we give you an opportunity every month to discover your purpose, your, your giftings, your passion, and to put that into practice by helping the body of Christ. Amen? Every, every month you have an opportunity to implement growth. Some of you have never done that yet. I want to challenge you. That's a good next step for you. Why? Because Ephesians 4 tells us that God has put people in the body individually, uniquely put in the body for what purpose? This always, folks, goes back to the purposes of God. So he puts the people in the body. Why? So the body can grow up and be mature, right? That's exactly what, is after, what we're after. And when you make learning a priority and you make growing a priority and you implement what you learn, you help the body of Christ. How many of you know what it takes for somebody to be, to be considered a professional at something? Anybody know? Anybody ever read the statistics on that? 10,000 hours towards something. Obviously, it has to be the right training and the right application, right? It's not practice that makes perfect. It's perfect practice that makes perfect, right? So you gotta, you gotta, you gotta get the right people. You gotta, the conditions have to be right. But if you'll spend the time doing that, what happens? You're considered a professional. Why not us dig into God and Christ with that kind of fervency? Amen. What kind of growth would happen? Number three, learn to improve. This is just a natural outcome. If you're listening and you're gathering and you're implementing, what's the outcome? There's growth. You improve. Because you're implementing, things get better. Notice that. You know, anybody ever play basketball in here? The first time you shot a basketball, yeah, brick, yeah. We're, we're, laying, we're laying some brick. My, my, my Georgia Bulldogs last night, they won, but they looked terrible. They looked like they hadn't practiced all week. Anybody, did everybody watch it? Folks, I understand these guys are young, and they're, they're, they're learning in their, their, their craft. But it's just a perfect example. You have to focus and implement what you're learning, listening, and implementing. Sometimes we, get, we lose focus, which there was a lot, of, a lot of distractions last night, a lot of noise, a lot of lights. I mean, you can imagine. But folks, when we learn how to implement, we grow and we get better. So next time Georgia plays in two weeks against the University of Tennessee, I hope it's 55 to nothing. And it should be. Why? Because they're going to take the lessons from this game that they just played and they're going to implement, right? And they're going to get better. It's pretty simple. Last thing, learners inspire others. How is that? When people watch you and they see that you've made learning and growing and teachability a priority, it inspires them to do the same. And as I said, this goes, all of this goes back to the heart of God. In Matthew 28, Christ said, go and make disciples. So all this we're talking about centers back around to one thing. The gospel of Christ.
The fact that Christ came and lived a sinless life and died a cruel death on the cross and walked out of the tomb is the reason why you and I are growing in, or should be growing in wisdom. Because we want to gain and build influence so that people will hear the message of the cross. Guess who your perfect model is? Jesus. He took 12 guys that you and I probably would not have picked. Their resumes weren't that great. Fishermen, tax collectors, zealots. I mean, just a ragtag bunch of guys. But you know what, what he did? He understood the value of growing. He understood the value of investing in what you value. And he valued those guys. And he also valued every person that's in this room today. When he was training and teaching those 12 guys, I could see it. He's picturing you. Because he knew the outcome. He knew that if he would influence and he would pour into and mentor those 12 guys, that they would turn the world upside down. And that's exactly what happened, folks. So it behooves you and I to make this learning and growing and teachability thing a priority, to make wisdom a priority. Because there's a world that we've got to influence. And folks, it's time that the opposite, it, for a while, folks, it's been the world influencing the church. God wants to turn the tables. He wants the church to influence the world. That should have got a better amen than that, folks. That's why we're here. That's why this building sits at 2510 East Cherokee Drive because he wants this church to impact the world. Amen. Every person in this room, you probably know one person who is far from God. Anybody know anybody far from God? Is God calling you to influence them? I can't give what I don't have, folks. This is the call. This is Jesus calling. What will you do with what I've given you? What will you do with the gifts I've given you? What will you do with the message I've given you? Will you call people to Christ? Will you focus them on me? That's the question. It's the million dollar question that you and I need to answer today. Would you stand? Every head bow, every eye closed. There may be somebody in this room who you, have, you don't have a relationship with Jesus. And today's the day for that to change. Amen? The scripture tells us very plainly that we have all missed the mark. We have sinned and offended the God who created us. We disobeyed him. And the result of that sin, of that disobedience, is spiritual death. As a matter of fact, the Bible says we are, before Christ, we are enemies of God. That's how serious it is. But isn't it great that he doesn't leave us hopeless? That in this 
this muck, this mire we find ourselves in of sin, that God says, I love you too much. I love you enough. I will rescue you. I will make a way for you to become a friend of God. And the Bible says that the wages of sin is death, but, I love that, don't you? But the gift of God is eternal life. Anybody glad for eternal life this morning? It's in Christ that you find eternal life. That's the answer, folks. He's the answer. It's not what's the answer, it's who's the answer, and He is. So with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you've never prayed this prayer before, you, you've never believed on Christ as your Savior, today that can change. You can pass from death to life. You can pass from being an enemy of God to a friend of God right here. Everybody that will, if you've never prayed this prayer, Father God, in the name of Jesus, I come to you. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you shed your blood so I could be free. And now I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to cleanse me, to make me new. As we sang earlier, God, I'll give you my life. I'll follow you all my days. Thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, the Bible says you're no longer an enemy of God. Amen? You're now a friend of God. You're in the family of God. Isn't that that's something to celebrate? Amen? So I'd like to know about it. There's cards back up over here on these tables, and you can fill one out and let us know because we want to help you on your journey to be like Jesus. Amen? Folks, I, want to, I just want to challenge you. Ask yourself these questions. Am I willing and open to be to, for somebody to pour into me? Can I admit when I'm wrong? These are some hard questions. But God's asking us to confront these things in our hearts. We need to con confront the pride and, and the insecurity. Why? Because God wants to use you. Amen? So I'm going to give just a few minutes. If anybody needs prayer for anything, healing in your body, you have a relationship issue, maybe your, your finances, or maybe you just